0: Hello, hello, this is Jonathan, and you're listening to the Johnny Talks podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Kenwell Sarai from Simply Investing. Kenwell has been an active dividend stock investor over the past 21 years, and his strategy, or should I say his 12 rules, helped him to retire from his day job 2 years ago. The approach he takes is very sensible, there are no shortcuts or investing secrets. Kenwell, who is very skilled at making things simple, will explain his 12 rules in a very comprehensive manner, And will also help us understand some misconceptions on dividends in general he really makes learning about a complex topic very enjoyable and simple as you will hear and actually between you and me i think i should invite canwell a second time it was really a great conversation and it's a topic i'm passionate about so i think we could have easily gone uh, two three more hours (laughs) anyway this episode will definitely be for you if you're looking for a simple way to understand how to invest in the wonderful world of dividend stocks and at the same time, create a growing passive income stream for yourself. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Canwell. How are you doing today? Good,
1: Jonathan. I'm doing very well today. How are you?
0: Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. It's uh, evening here and uh, I'm ready to relax uh, a little bit and enjoy this conversation first, of course, but yeah, very happy and uh, in a good place right now. So yeah, all good. All good on my side. (laughs)
1: <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yes. And I'm very excited to have you on because you have, uh, you're an expert in uh, investing in the stock markets. And then you have been doing this for um, a yeah, number of years, 20 years plus. And you have um, this philosophy or this 12 rules that you developed, which have helped you to uh, yeah, help many of your uh, customers, many of your uh, followers. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to share this uh, as well with uh, my listeners. So yeah, I think it will be great.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so
0: Kenwell, maybe let's uh, start with the beginning. What are you doing today? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Simply Investing?
1: Uh, sure. Um, so I am very fortunate uh, to have uh, retired from my day job at the age of 47. Um, so I am today uh, running uh, Simply Investing full-time. Uh, My passion has always been uh, investing and teaching, uh, Mm -hmm. teaching people how to invest uh, responsibly. So that's what I'm doing. I'm in, you know, aside from COVID, I'm enjoying everything's been great. (laughs) Uh, Everything's closed down. But uh, other than that, it's a a big change. So it was about two years ago uh, that I had, uh, I was fortunate enough to to leave my uh, Mm -hmm. uh, full-time day job and focus uh, full-time on simply investing.
0: No, that's great. And what were you doing before? Were you also in the finance industry or? uh...
1: Uh, No, my background is in computer science. I've Mm -hmm. got a bachelor's in computer science. So I spent a 25 year career working in uh, software companies uh, as a software uh, manager, a QA manager as well, uh, professional services and uh, software testing.
0: And where did that passion for uh, investing come from then?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, You know, I did what everybody else you know, what my parents taught me, and I think most people, you know, get an education. Uh, so I, I got a good education. I went to university, got a mm-hmm. degree. And then I said, OK, now what? They said, well, I'll go out and get a job. So I got a full-time job. And I said, OK, you know, now what? Well, you know, you should start <laughs> investing some of your money. And, uh, you know, my parents, they weren't taught how to invest. They just did what everyone else did. And so I started doing what my parents told me, mm-hmm. which was to put money in uh, mutual funds. And um, so I started doing that for about 10 years. Uh, So this is going way back. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, even before I graduated from university, I had some part time jobs and I I started putting money aside in uh, mutual funds. And eventually I realized that. The mutual funds, and I, I know we'll talk about it a little later in more detail, but, you know, there, there's fees, right? Yeah. So the, the management expense ratio. So the fees are really going to to hurt you in the long run. Um, also, the majority of, we're talking about actively managed mutual funds. You know, the majority of mutual funds underperform the stock market. And then later on, I, I got into index funds and ETFs as well. But it really wasn't, I realized it. You know, the financial planners that I was talking to, uh, you know, at the banks or sometimes from mutual fund company, they come to your house, they sit down and you, and you build a financial plan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At the end of the day, they were mutual fund salespeople. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So so they made money from commissions. And as you know, with the MER, the mutual fund companies will always deduct the fee first. Whether or not you make money, the mutual fund company is going to deduct their fee. And so I realized, you know, the mutual fund thing wasn't working and it wasn't going to give me the freedom that I wanted in life. Uh, And I also didn't want to work till the age of 75 or 85 and I had to do something else. Mm -hmm. So I started to, to, I started to hear about this gentleman by the name of Warren Buffett. Have you heard of Warren Buffett? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So a lot of people know who he is, right? A self-made, you know, investor, successful investor. So I realized I had to do a, a couple of things. Number one, I had to find some good role models right? So Mm -hmm. people who were successful 30, 40, 50, 60 years, right? Not somebody who won the lottery or somebody who had rich parents or a hedge fund manager who made a million dollars and then lost all of it the following year, but successful investors over the long term. So number one, find out who they were. Mm -hmm. uh, And number two, just copy what they did. (laughs) So it's so simple, (laughs) Uh, right? There's no real secret. Uh, Everything we're going to talk about today, I mean, there's no real secret here. Mm -hmm. It's been around for a very long time. Um, So I I read, you know, Warren Buffett has not written a book, uh, but there's a lot of books written about him. Uh, So I read those books. Uh, Benjamin Graham, some of your listeners may or may not know who he is. Uh, Benjamin Graham was actually Warren Buffett's teacher at Columbia University. Uh, and, And so he is known as the godfather of value investing. Um, right. So I started reading the intelligent investor is, is one of his uh, books from Benjamin Graham. Mm -hmm. So I started reading that, reading a whole, you know, different books and they all had at the end of the day, they all had a similar philosophy. So number one is you should be investing for yourself by yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And number two was the value investing approach. So long-term. Uh, I'm sorry, that's a long answer to your question. But no, no, very good. So I that, mean, uh, that's where I, I got started. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no, very good, very good. And uh, yeah, you see, you went straight to the best, as Warren <laughs> Buffett, and I think in uh, from your website, I also uh, saw names such as Peter Lynch and uh, all, all those uh, famous guys. But really, like the la crème de la crème, as we say, so the the that's best. Right. So that that was. Uh, I mean, these guys were your inspiration, and then as you d- dug in their material, their uh, approach, and then, then you started to apply those principles.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I really believe in not having to reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. if someone's already done it before and they've been successful at something, you should learn from them and learn from their experience because mm-hmm. that way you can save yourself a lot of time. Yeah. And that was the approach that I took.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so today I refer to myself as a dividend value investor, right? So I'm sure your audience knows, you know, dividends. You know, if you're invested in a company Mm -hmm. and they're paying you $1 a dividend per share and you own a thousand shares, you're going to get a thousand dollars every year for as long as you own those shares and as long as the company continues to pay the dividend. So the dividend is basically it's cash. It gets deposited into your trading account automatically. So you can spend that money if you wish or you can reinvest it, right? So dividend investors are focused on stocks that pay dividends. Value investors are focused on stocks that are priced low or undervalued, Mm -hmm. right? Whether stock pays a dividend or doesn't, a value investor is going to go after stocks that are priced low. So what I did is I sort of combined the best of both worlds. So I'm looking at dividend stocks that are also undervalued or priced low. And there's a third component to this, which is not just looking at dividend stocks that are priced low, but also looking at dividend stocks that are priced low, that are quality stocks, right? So mm-hmm. a stock that has low debt, has the payout ratio is low. Is the company profitable? Um, so we're looking at all of those things. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm looking for quality dividend paying companies that are also undervalued.
0: That sounds excellent, but uh, it sounds difficult to to maybe spot those companies, no?
1: Yeah. So how do I, you know, how do I and how do I? students, uh, how do we figure out mm-hmm. when you're looking at a company today, how do you know that it's a quality company? How do you know that it, well, you know, you can check if it pays a dividend and how do you know if it's undervalued? Mm-hmm. So to help us with that, I've created what I call the 12 rules yeah. of simply investing. And, uh, I'd love to go over with them very, just quickly, just quick overview of the, what the 12 rules are. Yep. You know, I go into them in more detail. You know, it's a, there's a two and a half hour online course. We use real life examples with stocks and, and we show you how to apply them. Uh, but today, I'd like to share with you what the 12 rules are uh, with you and your mm-hmm. audience.
0: Sure. Uh, um, and well, so these are the rules that you have applied for about 20 years.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. almost, it's a little over 21 years now. 21 yes. years. Wow. Yes. Okay. okay, so I'm going to go over the 12 rules. Uh, just a couple of things to know before we get started. If a company fails even one rule, we skip it. We move on to the next company. Mm-hmm. We don't even invest in it, right? So we want to make sure that a company passes not just some of the rules, but all of the 12 rules, okay? The rules are designed to minimize your risk, right? You work very hard for your money, right? And you don't want to, you don't want to put that money at risk. -hmm. Right. And neither does anyone else. So the rules are designed to minimize your risk, maximize your returns. And what we're talking about is long term investing. So we're not going to talk about day trading and all that. (laughs) Uh, If you have any questions, we can talk about that later. Uh, But the 12 rules are focused on long term uh, investing. At the end of the day, and you'll see when I do the rules, our priority is not the stock price, but the priority is on income generation Mm -hmm. through dividends. Yeah. Right you want to and i I've, I've been doing this for more than 21 years now every single year my portfolio has generated more income than it did the previous year so the income has gone up every single year for the last 21 years and that's what i want to help you and anybody listening is to build a resilient portfolio mm-hmm. regardless yes. of stock prices regardless if the market crashes next week we want to build a portfolio that's going to be resilient and it's going to generate not just income growing income every single year. Okay, so let's get started. Yeah. Rule number 1. Do you understand the product or service offered by the company? If you don't, skip it, move on to the next company. Okay, now you don't need to be a subject matter expert, but you got to be able to explain it to to your grandmother or to a 12-year-old, you mm-hmm. know. So how does Coca-Cola make money? They, they sell drinks mm-hmm. and now they've expanded into other food and snacks and stuff. But that's what they're doing is they're selling food products. And that's how they make money. So you have to have a general idea of how what the company is doing. So simple. <laughs> Rule number two, will people still be using this product or service in 20 years? Okay. So we want to avoid companies that are building, you know, fads. I don't know if you remember the Palm Pilot. If you remember these things from the old days uh, when everybody was using this stuff like that. We want to invest in companies that are going to be around for a very, very mm-hmm. long time. Yeah. Because again, you're investing your hard-earned money. You want to make sure the company is going to be around for a long time. The company is mm-hmm. going to be profitable and they're going to pay you a dividend every single year.
0: Yeah. So people are, are still going to drink Coca-Cola in 20 years, probably.
1: That's right. People still need to eat. Yeah. People still need financial services, mortgages, insurance. You still need all of these things. Uh, electricity. You still need all these things. So, So these are the kind of things that we're looking at. Rule number three. Does the company have a low-cost competitive advantage? So I'm going to use Warren Buffett's example for this. Mm -hmm. So if you think of a company as a castle, a corporation, so it's a castle, and around the castle, we have a moat. And the deeper the moat and the wider the moat, the better it's going to be able to protect itself against competitors. Mm -hmm. So if you look at a company, again, I'll use Coca-Cola as an example. Uh, They've been around since 1893, Mm -hmm. a very long time. If you were to start a soft drink company today to compete with Coca Cola, you would have to spend billions and billions of dollars in marketing and advertising, you know, product research, and all that. And you still wouldn't get close to where they are today. They have a competitive advantage, they have that brand recognition. You can take that logo anywhere in the world and people know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Uh, McDonald's is another one. They're pretty popular, they're all over all over 120 countries. If you want a Big Mac burger sandwich, McDonald's is the only company that can give you a Big Mac and you will cross the street to go to McDonald's if that's what you want, even though there is a restaurant right next to you, right? So there's, they've got that competitive advantage and the brand recognition. So that's huge. Rule number four, is the company recession proof? So Jonathan, let me ask you a quick question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If there's a chance that you may lose your job or there's a recession, mm-hmm. are you going to go out and buy a new car tomorrow?
0: Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> no, right? You're not. Again, if there's a recession or or you lost your job, are you going to go on an expensive vacation overseas with your family?
0: Absolutely not again. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> and for that reason, we don't invest in car companies. Mm-hmm. We don't invest in airlines. And we saw that last year with Covid. What did General Motors do to the dividend? They cut it to zero. What did Boeing do to their dividend? They build commercial airplanes. Boeing cut the dividend to zero. And we saw that last year with COVID, right? So we want to invest in companies that are recession-proof. So you're absolutely right. You're not going to go out and buy a new car. You know, if there's a chance, you may lose your job. (laughs) But when you come home, you still have to, at night, turn the lights on. You still Mm. have to eat. Yeah, that's right in colder climates i know here in canada in the winter you got to heat your home
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: right yeah, and indeed. so those are the products and services that you're still going to need even if there's a recession even if the market crashes and again we saw this with with covid companies like johnson and johnson they're profitable they've increased their dividend last year mm-hmm. uh, companies like procter and gamble increase the dividend uh, 3m like they make the masks and everything else and they also increase their dividends So we want to look at companies that are recession proof. Mm -hmm. If they're not, then they fail rule number four and we skip it. Okay, rule number five. So so does that make sense so far, Jonathan?
0: So far, so good. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, rule number five. Is the company consistently growing its earnings? So what we look here for is the earnings per share. Okay, very easy to look up. If you go to Yahoo Finance or uh, Google Finance and you put the ticker symbol in, you can see the earnings per share. I like Morningstar.com. It's free. Anybody can go on it. Morningstar.ca for Canadian companies. And Uh, I think
0: if you have an Apple, you can see it in the the stock exchange app. I mean, in the stock app.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, Yes, you're right. So what we look for there, and we want to look at earnings over the last 10 years, at least. Uh, I like to go 20 years, but if you can do 10 or 20 years. We don't have a camera here, but if we had a screen, if we were looking at a screen and we, and we show a graph, we want to see the earnings per share. We want to see the trend going up. Mm-hmm. Okay. You could have one year where it goes down a little bit, but over the last 10 years or 20 years, we want to see the trend going up. So uh, rule number five, we cut it off. We want to see 8% or more EPS growth over the last 10 years.
0: And I wanted to ask you because um, is there a, a reason for this 8%?
1: Uh, that's based on uh, my research uh, over the last 21 years, and I've I've gone back and tested that number uh, on a number of companies, uh, and it works really well. Uh, and that's yeah, a lot of people ask me, where did you come up with eight? Why yeah. not ten? <laughs> and not five? It's just based on research, and that not, it it just works. Okay. If, yeah. So we want to see at least eight percent or more EPS growth. Mm-hmm. If it's less than that, we skip it, and move on to the next company. Rule number six. Does the company have consistent dividend growth? So similarly, we want to look at a graph for the last 10 years or 20 years, and we want to see the dividends going up. We want to see them increasing over time. Mm. So rule number six, again, we look at 8% or more dividend growth. I'll give you a quick example here. Coca-Cola has been consecutively increasing its dividends for the last 57 years. Wow. I'm going to say that again. 57 years of consecutive dividend increases. Think about how many recessions we've had in the last 57 years, Mm -hmm. how many market crashes we've had. More recently, right, the 2008 recession with the financial credit crunch, you know, 9-11 in the U.S. with the market crash there, Mm -hmm. 57 years. Procter & Gamble, they make a lot of consumer products, 63 years of consecutive dividend increases. Johnson & Johnson, 58 years of consecutive dividend increases, right? So- Nobody can predict the future. I don't know if the market's going to crash in the next three days, three weeks, three months, or three years. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody can predict that. But when I look at companies like this that have had 40, 50, 60 years of consecutive dividend increases, I have a high degree of confidence that next year they're going to pay me a dividend, at least minimum pay me a dividend, but hopefully they'll increase it next year as well. Mm -hmm. And every time they increase the dividend, that means there's more money in your pocket. Remember, we talked about dividends are cash. It gets deposited to your trading account. So every time a company increases the dividend, you're going to get more money.
0: Yes. It's like a salary increase, but it's uh, you don't have to do anything for it.
1: <laughs> That's right. It's passive income. Yeah. Right. It's passive income. You're absolutely right. You don't have to do anything for it. And it, you're just holding on to the shares. Mm-hmm. And the, sh- the dividends are going up every single year. So rule number six is, uh, they're all important, but I like rule number six is a <laughs> passive income and it's putting money into my pocket. <laughs> At the end of the day, what we, uh, we want to achieve, with the goal is to build a resilient portfolio mm-hmm. that's going to yeah. generate enough passive income to cover your living expenses. And when you do that, your day job is now optional,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So that's the goal. Okay, rule number seven, does the company have a low payout ratio? So I can explain this really simple. Let's say a company has a earnings per share of $2, okay? EPS, earnings Mm -hmm. per share of $2. The company pays you a dividend of $1, okay? So if we take the dividend divided by the EPS, that's a 50% payout ratio. So 50% of what the company earned, their profits, they paid to you as the shareholder. So that's really good. What did they do with the rest of the money? They reinvested back into the company to grow the business. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example with the payout ratio. So let's say a company is paying an e- earnings per share of $2 a share, mm-hmm. but they're paying you a dividend of $3 a share. So what's wrong with that, Jonathan? Oh,
0: so they're paying you more than uh, than they earn. <laughs>
1: that's, uh, that's right. And so that doesn't it, make any sense.
0: Hey, it sounds sexy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense financially. Yeah.
1: That's right. Now they're earning... $2 a share mm-hmm. but they're paying the shareholders $3 a share so where are they coming up with the money to pay the shareholders mm-hmm. indeed they're borrowing money from somewhere else to pay the shareholders mm-hmm. so that's not sustainable right the company cannot continue to do that so they're going to have to cut the dividend at some point in time and uh, so that's why for rule number 7 we cut it off at 75% right mm-hmm. if the if the payout ratio is more than 75% the company fails rule number 7 and we don't want to take that risk that they're going to cut the dividend, right? And like we said in the beginning, we want to build a resilient portfolio that's going to generate growing income for you. Not less income, more income, more passive income. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so rule number eight, does the company have low debt? Okay, so here we cut it off at 70%. So we don't want to see the debt higher than 70%. Mm-hmm. But let me give you a quick example, Jonathan. Let's say you're looking at company A, And company B. So Mm -hmm. we have two companies, all things considered equal. They're in the same industry. The dividend is the same, EPS is the same, even the share price is the same. Company A has a debt of five percent. Company B has a debt of four (laughs) hundred percent. Which company would you rather invest in? Yeah,
0: the one with four, of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Company A, because the debt is much less. Yeah, right. Because when there's a market crash and it's going to happen, stock markets go up and down. They go in cycles. I know everything is great right now. The market keeps going up, but there will be a crash. We just don't know when, and we don't know how long it'll last. But when there's a market crash or a recession, companies that have a debt of 400, 500, 800% debt, they're going to have a very hard time surviving the downturn, Mm -hmm. right? The interest payment is going to be too high. They can't afford to do that. But companies that have a debt of 0%, 2%, 2%, even 10, 20%, they're gonna be much more better equipped, more resilient mm-hmm. yeah. to survive any market uh, crash. And there's companies today that have five, six, eight hundred percent debt, right? You can look it up and they're they're there. We wanna avoid those kind of companies. Mm-hmm. Okay, rule number nine. Does the company have a good credit rating? So for here, we use the standard & poor's P credit rating. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a report card. It's it, it starts at like I think it's D or or D minus and it goes all the way to triple A, right? So a company that has a credit rating of like minus D minus.
0: You want to avoid
1: it. (laughs) You got to avoid it, right? Uh, So we're (laughs) looking at companies with a triple B plus or greater, Mm -hmm. right? So all things considered equal. If you're looking at a company that has a triple A rating, another one has a D minus, go with the one with the triple A. It's going to be a better company. Rule number 10. Does the company actively buy back its shares? So over the long term, there are companies out there, the ones that are managed really well. uh, Over time, they will buy back some of their shares on the open market. So what does that mean for you as an investor? You know, just based on supply and demand, over time, the shares that you own are going to be worth more. Right. So your ownership in the company goes up. Mm -hmm. uh, Buy back shares. So we look for companies that actively do that. Uh, so that's rule number 10. And, and why do companies buy back their shares actually? Uh, that's a good question. There's a number of reasons for it. You know, sometimes companies are using it to within the company, like a large organization. Uh, I think AT&T did that a couple of years ago. I think it was mm-hmm. $2 billion worth of shares that they bought back. A couple of reasons. So number one, there's less dividends to pay out, right? Because there's mm-hmm. less shares out there. So the company will, in the sort of in the future save money that way yep. the company needs to hold some of its own shares anyway uh, especially if they're uh, offering shares to their staff their employees yep. mm-hmm. right so they need to get them from somewhere so that's another way to do it and basically they kind of and now we're getting into a lot of sort of the gray areas like w- as to the timing of when they buy it mm-hmm. uh, but the advantages is to reduce the number of shares that are outstanding the dividends is a is one so they don't have to pay as much and then also shares that they need to hold so they could offer to their employees. Yeah, Uh, there's a lot more other reasons, but uh, that would feel free to Google it because it it would lead into a longer discussion. But uh, but I'm hoping that answers the question for now. As an investor, it's a good thing in the Mm -hmm. long run. Okay, so rules number one to ten. If a company passes all of those ten rules, you know that you have a quality company on your hands. Okay, we've talked about in the beginning quality stocks. So if a company passes one to ten, it's a quality company. Now we're going to look at value. Is it price low, undervalued? Is it on sale? Is it on sale or Mm -hmm. is it overvalued? That's right. So rule number 11 looks at that. It's in three parts. So 11A. So the P ratio must be 25 or less. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty easy, easy to look up. And you can tell right away if a company passes rule 11A or not. Rule 11B. The current dividend yield must be higher than the company's average 10-year dividend yield uh, either 10-year average or 20-year average so you always want to compare the current yield to the company's average dividend yield and if the current yield is higher than the average then the company is undervalued Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah absolutely okay Uh, rule 11c is the price to book ratio must be three or less right so here Mm -hmm. we're looking at the uh, the book value of the company the price related to the book value so three or less is going to tell us That the company is, on, like you said, on sale. Uh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we've covered, we have one rule left. We've covered the first 11 rules, okay? The last rule has nothing to do with looking at financial data, has nothing to do with looking at companies and what they're up to. The last rule has everything to do with you, the investor. Rule number 12 says that you have to keep your emotions out of investing. This is the hardest rule to follow. I was going <laughs> to say
0: it, yeah, because uh, I think that's the hardest component.
1: It is, absolutely. When it comes to money, I'm the same way. Everybody gets very emotional, mm-hmm. right? So if you invest $10,000 into a stock or 5000 into a stock, you get very emotionally attached. Or sometimes people fall in love with a company, even before buying it. A lot of people are in love with Tesla right? Yeah. But does Tesla pass the 12 rules of simply investing?
0: No. no. (laughs) (laughs) I think the P-E ratio is above a thousand, so.
1: That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So the key here is you you have to have discipline and patience, okay? The discipline is to apply the 12 rules. This is a checklist, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I gave you as a checklist. And you just go down the checklist and you look at the company. It's either going to pass the rule or it's going to fail the rule. That's it. Mm -hmm. So that makes it easier to just Be disciplined and stick to the 12 rules. Uh, No shortcuts here. (laughs) Don't try to (laughs) skip anything. Right? So that's important. The other thing is patience. Okay? You have to have the patience to ride out any market crashes or market downturns. I said before, the stock market goes up and down in cycles. We are going to get another crash. Just don't know when, but it happens. So you have to have the patience to ride it out. And this is long term. So any money that you need or your audience that you need in five years or less,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: if you're saving for a car or a vacation or or you want to go to a university or something, any money you need in five years or less should not go into stocks. That means it should not go into mutual funds either, index funds or ETFs, because all they do is they turn around and buy stocks with it, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine if you're saving to for a down payment for a house, and you have $30,000 in cash, and you say, I'm gonna buy a house in two years, and you put all that money into stocks, and in two years, that 30,000 is now only worth 15,000, right, what are you gonna do now?
2: Mm.
1: It's the worst time to sell is when prices are low, right? So you don't wanna put yourself in that position where you're stuck. So this is five years or more, money that you don't need in five years, Mm. right? in five years or less, that's what should go into there, into investing. So it's a long term perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so, so these principles that you have followed, so now, and you never wavered from them. You never thought, okay, I will skip one, I will change one, or I do some exceptions here and there.
1: No. <laughs> now, let me explain yeah. what I mean by that, because mm-hmm. that was a very strong no. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah. The first, I would say, So I've been doing this for 21 years. Mm. So the first five, six years, follow the rules very strictly. And you should always follow the rules strictly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially anybody who's beginning. If you're just starting to invest today, uh, or you have index funds and ETFs and now you want to buy individual stocks, follow the 12 rules. Mm -hmm. Everybody should follow the 12 rules. The one I've never violated is rule 11B. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Never violate rule 11B in 21 years. That's really important. Now, what happens is, I'll take rule number seven, for example. We said the payout ratio is 75% or less. Mm -hmm. After six years, I've built the first six years. You know, I built a substantial portfolio. I had about 25 stocks that I owned. Mm -hmm. I had them for six years. The portfolio was doing well. It was generating income. And especially in Canada, there's not a lot to choose from. Uh, I invest in Canadian and U.S. stocks. Mm -hmm. But in Canada, there's five big banks. I own all the five big banks. There's only three telecommunication companies: Rogers, Bell, and Telus, and I own all three of them. So after about the six, seven-year mark, I'm like, okay, I have another, you know, 20000 dollars to invest. I already own all the companies that pass the twelve rules, Mm -hmm. right? So now I'm going to look at something that, you know, let's say rule number seven. It gets a seventy-seven percent, right? So it fails the rule because the rule the cutoff was seventy-five, but it doesn't mean it's a bad company. But it requires further investigation. So that's when you go in and you say, okay, let me look at the last 10-year history of the dividends. Let me look at the 10-year history of earnings per share, Mm -hmm. right? So then I make a decision then, Mm -hmm. and I'm being completely honest with you and your audience. So then I will invest in a company, even though it fails one of the 12 rules. Uh, But that's after six years of having built a solid portfolio. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for anybody out there who's beginning or starting, always follow the 12 rules. Mm -hmm.
0: No, very yeah. good tip, because I think it's important to have a guideline because it's easy to, to change and to adapt. But then if you have 12 rules that work, that have proven itself for you and for your, um, your students, then it's great because then you have proof, you have, uh, and it's easier, you know, then you don't have to do as much research. Uh, I, I don't know, if, does it take time to find all of this information, by the way?
1: Yeah, a great question. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in the the course, I teach the 12 rules. We do; It's a video online course, and then we have examples on how to do it. I also provide everybody with a spreadsheet. So it's got Mm -hmm. the 12 rules in the spreadsheet with all the formulas in there (laughs) uh, to save you time. Um, So to answer your question, the first time you do this, it's going to take a little bit of time. It gets faster Mm -hmm. after you've done it many times. The first time you do it, it's going to anywhere from an hour to two hours. To, you have to sit down, you have to go get all of the data from you know, Morningstar or Yahoo Finance or any of those websites. And you have to put all that into the spreadsheet and then you have to apply the 12 rules.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the first time you do it, it does take a little bit of time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and then it gets a little quicker. So I, what I do, it, it, this is, so the feedback, and I've been teaching this course since 2007, uh, the Simply Investing course. And so the feedback I got from people There's two comments. Number one, this is a great course. I wish I knew this 10 years earlier. (laughs) I wish (laughs) I started sooner. But the other one was, well, you know, this is great. You know, you teach us how to do it. But why don't you just tell me which companies pass the 12 rules? (laughs) Just tell me what (laughs) what they are, (laughs) because I don't have time for this. Right. Um, If you're you're a, a money nerd like me, There's a couple of money nerds who like to do that, who like to do the research and Mm -hmm. fill out the spreadsheets and do all that. Uh, That's great. But most people, if you're busy, if you've got a day job, you've got children, your spouse has a day job, the kids, your life is busy. Life is very Mm -hmm. busy. You don't have time to do that. Um, So I have the Simply Investing report. So I track 245 companies every month Mm -hmm. and I apply the 12 rules to all 245 companies every month. Okay. Yeah. So t- just I was looking at uh, the most recent issue. Uh, so there are right now eight companies in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that pass the twelve rules, and five companies in Canada that pass the twelve rules, out of two hundred
0: and forty-five. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm I'm wondering about your your own portfolio, because then okay since you've been doing that for a number of years, have you changed companies, switched out companies, and are you still looking at new adding new companies, or do you keep reinforcing your positions? In, in those companies that you've been with, uh, like Coca-Cola, for example, for a, a long time?
1: Yeah, excellent. A great question. So I a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. So I will keep reinforcing some of the positions that I already have. Uh, if the company is undervalued today, right? If it's not, then I'm not going to buy any more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do apply the 12 rules. Uh, the The goal is always to have a company pass all of the 12 rules. Yeah. So those are the companies I look at first. So there's eight companies today in the US and I own all, most of them. I'm looking at the list here, (laughs) Uh, right? So, so I will reinforce the ones that I already own. So that's one part. I don't, I don't trade very often, Mm -hmm. right? So the question was, when do you sell? Uh, I don't trade very often. One of the questions I get, which is similar to what you just asked is people will say, well, what if a company fails one of the rules? Should I just sell it? You know, if I own it, yeah. I, I bought mm-hmm. it last year and now it fails rule number seven. Should I just sell the company? No, no. Because as long as the company is continuing to pay you a dividend, as long as the company is increasing the dividend every single year, right? As long as it, it's still a quality company, right? The payout ratio might go to 77% temporarily, right? The yeah. debt might go to nine eighty percent temporarily. Right, but if you already own the company and it's a good dividend-paying company and they're increasing the dividend, then hold on to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, because you are going to earn in the long run. You're going to earn more. So there's there's value in holding on to the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah. No. They're very good. No. No. I see. Um. Walden, that's very good. And then my um, I have another question regarding your portfolio, asset portfolio in general. Then. Do you only invest then in individual shares or do you also invest in ETFs and then maybe other asset classes or uh, even bonds?
1: Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, So no bonds. No Uh, bonds at all. Okay. No. Uh, And no ETFs, no index funds, no mutual funds. Um, Everything is in individual uh, stocks.
0: Okay. Okay. Very good. And then maybe one one last uh, item I wanted to touch upon. Of course, we, I mean, the recent news, uh, I mean, the stock market is a bit crazy at the moment. And then we saw as well this uh, adventure, or how can I say it? Yeah, adventure or event with um, with GameStop and people are shorting stocks. Uh, I mean, we, we're not going to go into the details, but I just wanted to hear your opinion on all this uh, kind of market movements and Elon Musk uh, tweets. Then he says he names a company, then the stocks goes up like... Uh, 18,000% or all these things. <laughs> yeah. So it makes for fun headlines, of course. But uh, I don't know. I wanted to hear your opinion on on all of this.
1: Yeah. So it is great for entertainment. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I think people have to understand that the, the news outlets, uh, the news media, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, could be on TV, online, or the radio, or, or even magazines, uh, these are all corporations right? And a corporation only exists to generate profits for its shareholders. So the media is not here to educate you on how to become wealthy or Mm -hmm. to educate you on how to invest responsibly. They are here to make profit for their shareholders. And the way they can make more profit is by getting more people to click on their article or to watch their videos, Mm -hmm. right? Because then they can sell advertising right? So all of this is very entertaining. Uh, GameStop, uh, AMC, which is the movie theaters, also same thing happened with that. Correct. Either Elon Musk or somebody else will tweet something about a company and then, like you said, the stock price goes up (laughs) 5,000%. My recommendation, if you're interested in buying that company, apply the 12 rules of simply investing. Apply Mm -hmm. the 12 rules and then decide if it passes all the rules, then you may want to consider investing in it. But if it doesn't, then skip it and move on to something else.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, actually, it's very easy. You make it very easy, actually. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, Can I give you, Jonathan, a quick example about uh, my personal example? Sure. uh, To to really reinforce the idea that it it makes sense to hold for the long term, to Mm -hmm. be a long-term investor. Okay. So uh, I bought 185 shares of TC Energy. It's a Canadian company a while ago, back in 2000, (laughs) uh, the share price was Mm
2: $13.40.
1: Okay. So if you do the math, $13.40, multiply by 185 shares. It's like 2,500
0: or something. Yeah. Mm
1: 2,479. Okay. So anytime you invest in a company, the capital you put in is, is at risk. So the 2000, the worst that could happen is I could lose $2,479 if the company went bankrupt, Mm -hmm. right? But it didn't. The dividend at the time was 80 cents a share. Today, the dividend for the, I still own the company. Today, the dividend is $3.24 a share, okay? Now remember, I invested $2,479. Since I've owned this company, this one stock, this uh, TC Energy has paid me over $6,700 in dividends.
0: Okay, so it uh, the dividends alone paid more than what you put in. Yeah.
1: That's right. So the share price today, I don't even, I don't know what it is. I've like $55 or something was the share price. Mm-hmm. Do I care if the price drops tomorrow to $40 a share?
0: Yeah, absolutely not.
1: <laughs> no, it could drop to $20 a share tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, Why? Because I've already more than made up my initial investment. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, if we take the dividend today, which is $3.24, based on my purchase price of $13 a share, you're looking at a dividend yield of 24%. So 24% of what I invested comes back to me every year as cash. Mm -hmm. So it's about $600 a year in cash from just this one company alone.
0: Yeah. That's a nice way to see it. Indeed. Yeah. If you keep it for the long-term, I mean, I haven't uh, experienced that yet because I started investing in in 2014, 2015, where I started. So let's see mm-hmm. how that uh, goes uh, further.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, every time the dividend goes up, the mm-hmm. company increases the dividend, your dividend yield based on the purchase price is going to go up.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Yeah, so yeah. y- you mentioned bonds. Uh, what's the interest rate on a bond today? I, I don't uh, even know.
0: No, I think <laughs> it's like, um, I mean, in Europe, the most yep. bonds, they're less than 1% or something. Huh? Really? Yep. It's, I mean, I don't even want to... I'm losing money by, by, by <laughs> buying a bond. I don't own it's, bonds.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, and it's the same in Canada and the US. Mm. It's the same thing. Uh, they have term deposits where you lock in your money for mm-hmm. one year, two years, three years. Uh, a five-year term deposit, or I believe, is like 1%, mm-hmm.
0: right?
1: I'm yeah. making 24% here with TC Energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If you hold on to it long enough, I have other stocks that are 12%, mm-hmm. 14%. which is way higher than what you're going to get in a a bank account or in a a term deposit or in a bond.
0: Yeah, no, because this this is what I wanted to do as well for myself, is Mm -hmm. to invest in in, in companies, but then as well look for a more recession-proof companies. So I have invested, for example, in a supermarket. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, Deleuze. It's it's in Belgium. They also have a branch in the U.S. under Mm -hmm. another name called The Lion. But they are here in Luxembourg as well, a few shops, but it's, it's a, I mean, the stock didn't move huh, in the, during the pandemic. I mean, it's, it, it went even a bit up, but it just, mm-hmm. it keeps on um, growing. It's slow, but the yeah. dividend, there's a dividend. I mean, and they're not going to stop. Huh? I mean, it's food and it's uh, th- things that people need in, at all times, actually.
1: Yes, absolutely. Right. It passes rule number four, passes Mm -hmm. rule number two. (laughs) And those, uh, so that's all very good. You know, the dividend is fantastic because once you buy the stock, you're the owner, the shareholder, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to receive the dividend. The stock price can go down tomorrow, can go down next week, but you're going to get the dividend, Mm -hmm. right? So, regardless of what the share price does, you're receiving the dividend and that's your passive income, right? Without the dividend, you're only hoping for the share price to go up mm-hmm. and hope is not going to cover your living expenses. <laughs> only the passive income is.
0: Yeah, correct. And then I will share as well. One of my mistakes uh, in investing is that I thought when I started a bit uh, a couple of years ago, I, I thought that the dividend that you got, the the yield, I thought mm. that it was growing with the value of the company. Mm. So this I didn't. Uh, so I was completely mistaken, actually, because I didn't know that. Actually, the div- the Mr. Market is, let's say, controlling the, the, the stock price, but mm-hmm. it's the real economy, the real profit of the company that, that uh, will determine uh, your dividend, actually.
1: Yes, uh, Jonathan, you're 100% correct. Mm-hmm. And I get this question a lot, especially when I give talks about uh, investing in large groups. The number one question I get is, well, what happens to the dividend when the stock price drops?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if you look at it, and I've looked at hundreds of companies, <laughs> if you look at the graph, and you'll see, you know, I, I look at a 10-year graph for Coca-Cola or Johnson & Johnson, and you see the stock price goes down $5 a share, $10 a share, stock price drops, and then it comes back up again, price goes down again. Stock prices go up and down all the time. Mm-hmm. But the dividend keeps going up. Like we said, 57 years of increases for Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. So why is that? The reason is, and you just touched on it, the dividend is not paid from the stock price. The dividend is paid from the earnings per share. So as long as the company is growing the earnings in the long term, then they're going to keep increasing the dividend regardless of what the share, what the share price is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's a big one.
0: Okay. Very good. And, um, we've covered a lot of ground and, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your, um, 12 rules with us. And I think you made it very simple. I mean, you're called, I mean, your company is called Simply Investing. Your course is Simply Investing. And yeah, it's really, it really shows in the way you explain things. So thank you. Yeah, you're
1: welcome. Thank you Uh, for that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome, Jonathan. And uh, what I was going to say is we touched on it before we started uh, recording. And uh, I tell people it's so simple that a (laughs) nine-year-old could do it. (laughs) Uh, And I've had both of my kids uh, when they were nine years old uh, Mm -hmm. who took the course and they've been investing since then. And they each have their own stock portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is really that simple. Uh, mm-hmm. The industry tries to make it complicated to, to, to confuse people. Uh, but it, once you understand the basics, that's all you need.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. And then, uh, Kanwal, um, as you know, we always have our um, three quick fire questions at the end of the show. So are you ready? Yes. Okay, fantastic. So number one question, I will ask you, what has been your best investment so far?
1: Uh, So that's going to be the one we just touched on uh, briefly, uh, TC Energy. Okay. (laughs) So if you'll recall, I paid $2,479 for it and I got back over $6,700 in dividends. Uh, The total return, including dividends, today, I'm not going to sell it, but if I was going to, it's uh, over 584% return. So that's pretty good.
0: Okay, very good. And then uh, what is a book you can recommend to anyone, Kanwal? It does not need to be financial.
1: Okay, um, so this is one of my favorites, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think you've heard of this one, Jonathan.
0: Absolutely, I've read it as yeah. well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a good book, a great book, uh, not because it taught me how to do in value investing, but because it taught me the difference between an asset and a liability. Mm-hmm. So I used to think that owning a house, owning a car, that those were assets, and that was a good thing. And the way uh, Robert explains it in his book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, is anything that puts money into your pocket mm-hmm. is an asset. So, st- dividend stocks, uh, real estate, uh, owning a business—anything uh, that puts money into your pocket is an asset. Anything that takes money out of your pocket, a home, is a liability. Is mm-hmm. is it's not an asset, uh, right? A home, perfect. Like even if you have a house that you have no mortgage, you paid off the house. The house is still costing you money every year: property taxes, heating, uh, mm-hmm. maintenance. Right, you're still having to pay for things to keep the house.
0: Yeah, but the value has gone up so much in the recent years.
1: That's right. So, th- so that's that's okay. Robert's definition of an asset is a what he goes into detail is. You want to, and it's fine to own a home. I I own a home. I like living in a house (laughs) because, like you said, the the value goes up, plus there's more room. So, I'm not saying owning a house is a bad thing, but knowing the difference Mm -hmm. between if you can, in your 20s and 30s, the younger you are, the better off you will be. I wish somebody told me this 20 years ago, (laughs) 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 right? In your 20s and 30s, your goal should be to acquire revenue-generating assets, okay? The more you can get revenue-generating assets, the better off you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So that does not mean to go and buy five cars because a car is not a revenue-generating asset. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you need the maintenance, you need everything. It it, it looks cool. It loses its value. You know, I don't know, uh, you know, it's like from 30 to 60% when you drive it off the lot. So no, no, definitely not an asset.
1: Uh, so you're right about the house. Uh, the uh, If the value goes up, that's great. It's going to be worth more in the future. But if you don't sell it, you're not getting anything out of it. That's right. And it's not a revenue generating asset. So mm-hmm. that was the big key that came out of that book was mm-hmm. understanding what is a revenue generating asset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, Cano, last question. What is a purchase uh, that you made for under $100 that uh, you can recommend to everybody?
1: Yeah, so this was... Uh, $26. It's called uh, the five-minute journal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love it because I use it every single day. And I'll just quickly sh- tell you what happens. So you mm-hmm. open it up in the morning. Three things that you're grateful for, and you write them down in the journal. Three things that you hope to accomplish today, and you write them down in the journal. And then before you go to bed at night, you open up the journal and write down three amazing things that happened to you today. And how could I have made today even better?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's it. So it's literally a five minute journal every day. And I've been doing this every day for almost four and a half years now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And it's been a huge, made a huge difference in my life. Uh, Number one has been uh, gratitude. So you just wake up in the morning, even at night, before you go to bed, you've got gratitude for what you've done in the day and all that you have. Uh, So that's been huge. So yeah, that's sort of my best purchase under $100.
0: Okay, very cool. Very cool. And uh, Canwal, I mean, we talked about your course, your 12 rules. So uh, where uh, can people find you? So simplyinvesting.com is your website.
1: Yeah. So the website has uh, links to everything. My YouTube channel, yeah. uh, the Twitter handle is at canwall underscore Sarai. But you'll go to simplyinvesting.com and you'll get links to Twitter and uh, the YouTube channel as well from my website.
0: Okay. And I will link everything in the show notes anyway, so the listeners can find you and yep. learn more about investing and your 12 rules. and maybe apply it for them and grow their passive income.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Great. Yeah. Thank you again, uh, Jonathan, for having me uh, on your podcast. Uh, It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Thanks for, for uh, sharing your stories um, and your tips with us. It was great. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend or you can also leave a rating in your favorite podcast app. This is helping the show to grow. So if you do, so thank you very much. And I take the opportunity to give a little thanks to Renata and Luxembourg. So thank you for leaving a comment. It's a, it really helps. Thank you very much. Oh, and one more thing, as uh, one of my heroes, Lieutenant Colombo, would say, should I invite Canwell for a future episode? Let me know. Let me know. <laughs> and now let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, learn from good role models and do not try to reinvent the wheel. Look at investors with success over the long run, eh, the Warren buffets of this world. And follow this investment principle or philosophy. Invest for yourself by yourself and invest long term. There are no investing secrets. (laughs) Number two, what is dividend value investing? That is looking for quality companies with a strong balance sheet that are paying a dividend, a part of their profit, and that are also at the same time undervalued. So they're priced at a discount. The priority is to generate growing income, not to focus on the stock price. And to help us identify the relevant companies, Kenwell has developed his 12 rules, which I will just name here, not expand on them. One, do you understand the product or service offered by the company? Two, will people still be using this product or service in 20 years? Three, does the company have a low-cost, durable, lasting competitive advantage? Four, is the company recession-proof? Five, has the company had consistent earning growth? The EPS growth, earning per share growth, must be at least 8%. 6. Has the company had consistent dividend growth? The dividend growth must be at least 8% as well. 7. Does the company have a low payout ratio? The payout ratio must be 75% or less. 8. Does the company have low debt? The debt must be 70% or less. 9. Does the company have a good credit rating? The company must have a minimum S&P credit rating of BBB+. Number 10. Does the company actively buy back its shares? 11. Is the stock undervalued? 11a. The P-E ratio, the price on earnings ratio, must be 25 or below. 11b. Is the current dividend yield higher than the average dividend yield? 11c. The P-B ratio, price to book ratio, should be 3 or less. And number 12. Keep your emotions out of investing. And that's probably the hardest one actually. <laughs> Next big takeaway... It makes sense to invest for the long term if you invest in a company with a growing dividend the dividend yield will go up over time from your invested money so this is something i never thought about myself it was a nice way to put it number four the dividend is not paid from the stock price it is paid from the actual company earnings regardless of the current stock price so yeah don't uh, make the same mistake as me yeah <laughs> And then last one for today, it's something we actually didn't really discuss on the show, but we discussed with Canwell after the show. But dividend investing is a long road. Huh? It will it will start with very little dividends at first. Right? It can be like $2 dividends or even less. You need to keep feeding your portfolio and you will see that passive income grow beautifully.